This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we invited the service level manager team to talk about how they're helping you automate all the things. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi, and I'm all by myself in the studio. All by myself. Oh, actually, I'm not going to sing to you. Um, Andrew's on the phone. Hi, um, let's let's see what Andrew has to say about all this. I'm kind of glad I'm not there with you. I'm I'm a little fr- afraid right now. Well, I, I actually did a concert before you got before we actually started. That's how I actually motivate myself is, is singing all by myself. Is that, is that how you warm up your radio voice? That's, yeah, that and lemon juice and honey. Oh, I, I thought I thought it was hot toddies. Actually, it was a lemonade and a chicken uh, bagel. <laughs> I see. Yes. Anyway, uh, so today's show, we're going to talk about uh, the new service level manager here at NetApp. Uh, it's a new product or feature or you know something along those lines. <laughs> we'll let we'll let the guys talk about what it is, actually is here in a second. Uh, so today we got uh, a few guests over WebEx. Uh, say hello, Naga. Hi, hello. Uh, this is uh, Naga, the product manager for uh, Service Level Manager product. All right, and Naga, how long have you been here at NetApp, and what do you do here? I have been here for almost seven years, and uh, right now we manage this product. Uh, it's called NetApp Service Level Manager. We call SLM in a short form. So let's let's actually dive a little deeper. What is involved in managing a product? Because you know, product manager is pretty self-explanatory, right? You manage products. So let's talk about what that means. Oh, what do, what do I do as a product manager? Yeah, what exactly oh. is it that you do here? Oh, it's, it's, it's very easy. Just find out. Just find out what customer wants and tell R and D to build it, and then come back and tell if customer doesn't get it, and you tell him we didn't build it right. All right, there you go. <laughs> Pretty simple job there. Uh, all right. Also on the phone today is Amit, uh, who is, I guess, the technical director. Amit? Hi. Yes. Uh, I'm the technical director in DFMG and, and overlooking this product. Okay. And what does a technical director do? Uh, take a lot of vacations, do nothing. Um, wow. That's a pretty sweet bl- gig. I need to do that. And blame everybody else if things go wrong and take the credit if things go right. So uh, it's funny you mentioned vacations because Glenn is actually on vacation, um, and I guess that means he's a technical director. But my uh, process of association uh, there. Be. All right, and yeah, he, he certainly qualifies to be a technical director. Uh, he does. He's he's on his way. And uh, also on the phone today, and no stranger to the podcast, Mr. Evan Miller. Say hello, Evan, and tell us what you do here at NetApp. Well, hello, Evan. Oh, that's me. Um, so I run the uh, the service design consulting. Uh, practice at NetApp, and it's a lot of fun. We just run around the world and meet people, and it's great. It's like family counseling. Family counseling. <laughs> yeah, do, do, so do you guys have a lot of infighting, you know, a lot of who, who ate oh, the last yes. cookie, yeah. that sort of thing? Uh-huh. Yeah, we keep score during the workshop to see who's winning. It's great. You should take more vacations and then get promoted to technical director. <laughs> Maybe someday, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, so let's talk a little bit about service level manager. Actually, a lot about it because that's what the show is about. Uh, so, Naga, if you could tell us about what this new product is, I guess it launched in January. Uh, could you tell us what what exactly it does, and you know why people would want to use it? 
Sure, I think we'll talk about it. Um, the product name is NetApp Service Level Manager, and we shortly call um, SLM. And SLM kind of a mouthful, so we call it SLM. Actually, it's a management software. Uh, it simplifies the way the storage is consumed, and um, it enables storage operations to be performed uh, easily and at scale. So if you look at it, right, it is done through policy-based provisioning, data management by abstracting uh, um, platform details. And um, if you, but before I kind of dive deep into the product, I want to answer the second part of the question. That's very important. Like, you know, you asked me why SLM, why would people use it? But actually, before we even introducing this product, or even before we start building the product, we were looking, you know, we observed the industry and we kind of saw two trends, uh, two big trends. One is um, the IT teams are looking to balance performance, costs, and agility. Uh, especially the speed with which they bring the services online. And uh, that's one, one trend. And uh, then we asked so what exactly it means. You know, it, it means you know, uh, delivering a predictable performance for applications at right cost points in a timely manner. That's what we, we heard from our customers. And they said, you know, we have, IT teams have been asked to operate like cloud. So that's one trend. And the second trend, what we saw was uh, automation. We all know automation is not new, like it's been for ages. So, but the only difference is that you know, it, it's a transition from um, uh, resource-centric automation to service-centric. Today, developers who write uh, solutions against our platform, they don't want to know about our platform. They just want storage. Give me storage, I want to build IoT solution, I want to build DevOps solution, I don't want to know about storage. So essentially, they look, they're looking for service construct as opposed to resource-specific details. So these are the two major trends, actually, the, the, the context for SLM. So if you look at SLM product, it responds very well to this trend. It provides actually a framework for service level management, and um, it actually provides intelligent provisioning and regulation for conformance. In other words, if you're a customer, um, if you're looking to uh, provide uh, storage services to your, um, your end, end customers, you just have to express your needs in, uh, as a service objective, and then SLM does provisioning for you. So in the end, customer benefits from lower operational, operational expenses and higher utilization. That way they can deliver storage at a lower cost point. And uh, actually what we did was we showed this SLM product to one of the analysts recently. He really loved it. And in fact, he said, this is real SDS. And in fact, he quoted one of our competition, tried to uh, build similar product and they kind of, they couldn't pull it off. And they said, you know, he said, it's a unique differentiator in the market. It's a very unique differentiator in the market. And if you, if you look at it, right, the, the, the fundamental uh, piece to this one is managing by service level objectives. And in fact, this is not new. Evan Miller and his team is practicing this, uh, kind of championing this managing by service level objectives for some time. And the Evan runs a service design workshop practice. You know, maybe Evan is on the call. You know, he can elaborate a bit more on this STW practice that he does. Why exactly are you here, Evan? I mean, this sounds like it's going to do your job for you. <laughs> well, sort of. So let me back up. Service level design is really unique in the industry. Uh, number one, it, it understands the target market for the storage service delivery. We do a thing called IO density measurement. We actually look at the speed of the data, which is even more critical day than the capacity required for the data. Speed is everything, right? 
Number two, we do an I.O. budgeting process. We make sure that we help customers plan the I.O. for the capacity that they need to deliver. This is critical if you're going to be a cloud service provider. Number three, we have built an adaptive QoS mechanism that is now built into the service level manager that makes sure that the right QoS policy is set on every volume to deliver the service that is promised to the consumer of that service. Um, no one else is doing this in the industry. And the reason we did all this is because we believe all corporate IT functions are trying to function as a cloud service provider, either by using their on-prem infrastructure or by using a public cloud partner and building a data fabric to create all of this hybrid cloud capability so that when the business says, I need help today, I need resources today to accelerate my business, IT can simply say yes, and they can fulfill it internally or externally. The role that SLM plays is that now turns infrastructure into an API. As uh, Naga said, no one wants to understand the details of infrastructure resources and components. They just want a volume or a LUN, right? And so for them, that makes it easy to say, I just need 100 gigabytes of really fast storage, give it to me. Or I need 100 gigabytes of really cheap storage, give it to me. And that's all that uh, the consumer needs to understand. And so, you know, with a GUI or with an API to be called by other tools, uh, that's what SLM does. And uh, I believe our customers are going to experience a revolution as they start creating incident-free infrastructure and labor-free infrastructure. There should be no humans touching keyboards to manage infrastructure anymore. Does that make sense? So, Evan, SLM, right, service level manager, obviously manages service levels. So in this context, can you define what is a service level? What are we actually managing, provisioning, doling out here? In the old dark ages of storage, right, we all define storage by the disk drive. You know, I've got a storage pool of so many spindles of SATA or SAS, right, or fiber channel drives. Um, but nobody really understood what that does for an application. I just have hardware, right, and we all had to guess as to what hardware needed to be, you know, for what application. And so infrastructure was based on an application-by-application application study. Nobody has time for that anymore. There's too many applications, right? And we're all trying to consolidate uh, infrastructure into large shared infrastructures rather than, you know, hundreds of little dedicated infrastructures. So a service level solves that problem. We abstract the service away from the hardware. We get into a software-defined, software-managed kind of an infrastructure. Now, a service level, uh, there are three popular ones everybody takes, and it makes sense. When you, when you go to buy something, you have the choice of small, medium, or large, right? When you go get an Internet service, you have slow, medium, fast. Uh, the human brain thinks of uh, something really cheap or something really good or the compromise in the middle, and that's the way the brain works. So, so the most popular service levels across about 240 customers have been there needs to be a very cost-optimized service. We call it value, just to give it a name. And it's really, really cheap. It should be, you know, a penny a gig or a two pennies a gig. On the opposite extreme, you have that tiny sliver of about 3% of the workloads in an infrastructure that need to go extremely fast, right, right on the edge, as fast as the application needs. That's called extreme. But then the vast majority of the middle we call performance. That's where all the VMs and databases and that's where all the production and general workload, you know, IT lives. 
And so you've got value, performance, and extreme, and the IOPS to go with it. We always need to make sure that there's enough IO for every workload, and that's what the service level manager does. And it also manages headroom so we never get into trouble so that we don't have performance incidents. There are too many examples of organizations spending enormous amounts of energy and political capital in managing performance. We're going to take that away so that's no longer a concern. And, and number two, we shouldn't have people doing mundane things like provisioning volumes and LUNs. Service level manager will uh, increase agility, decrease cost, um, and increase the business satisfaction with um, the storage service provided by our customer. Yeah, so Evan, I, I know you've been on the podcast about as much as I have lately. Uh, you know, I've, I've been traveling far, far too often. Um, but that being said, you know, we've definitely had you on to talk about the service level design workshop before. And I assume that that's still something that is is valuable, still recommended, even though rather than using WFA and the set of workflows that you developed there, right, we're applying SLM in order to actually make that a reality. Right. Um, we have done now, uh, like I said, about 240 service design workshops globally. That number is growing uh, by, you know, 7 to 14 or so per month. Uh, we have a global team now that delivers those uh, for typically our largest customers and service providers. Uh, so the, the methodology has now gone mainstream as people realize the things that Naga said, which is, there is a huge trend in the industry. CIOs are now saying, I need to run as a cloud service provider, and I need to be able to provide services from both on-premise and off-premise infrastructure. And I need some way to wrap automation around all of that and just call it to give services. And, um, and that's, that's, uh, that's the success of service design, right, is now it's made its way into products. Our professional services organization is very good at implementing this model. Uh, and we're going to see more and more customers shift to this model. So I'll, I'll ask you one of the questions that I get asked pretty much every time I do an automation workshop or anything like that, right? And that's, you know, why should I as a storage administrator be interested in this, right? I spend, you know, a good chunk of my time as an administrator doing things like provisioning and deprovisioning storage resources. Well, you got to decide what you want your career to be, right? Is that, is that the extent of your career, right? Provisioning resources, or would you rather have a deep understanding of the business and start attaching yourself to the revenue generation and the, and the mission of the organization that you work for, right? And doing higher level value things like, how do I build a, a hybrid cloud infrastructure? How do I satisfy the business today versus next week? Um, how do I accelerate the clock cycle of everything we do? Uh, that's much, much more interesting than, uh, you know, sitting down at the keyboard and provisioning storage and then getting blamed when everything goes wrong. Because, you know, when humans do everything, it's, it's uh, inevitably has, is prone to mistakes, right? Uh, whereas if you automate everything, uh, you get extreme standardization. Absolutely. So, so focusing a little bit back on service level manager. Um, so, what types of, uh, you know, we're going through, we're defining these service levels that can then be provisioned, can be managed, consumed via API or via the GUI. So, what types of properties, right? How, how do I define these service levels? What things can I use to define them? Uh, I, I assume it's obvious things like disk type, but are there other properties? Right, so uh, this type is not the property, right? So as Evan mentioned earlier, these are uh, services are defined in uh, quantitative terms, right? You special, uh, you mentioned things like IOPS per terabyte. 
right? And you mentioned things like peak latency or an RPO, if you're talking about a data protection service. You define services in very abstract terms, uh, something that you can measure after your provision and actually produce a report to a customer and say that, look, this is, how I, this is what I promised and this is what I delivered at the end uh, in those terms. So the key understanding here is that a disk drive is not a service, right? SATA, SAS, SSD, different sizes of drives, different vendors, different controller types, none of those things constitute a service. An application doesn't consume any of those. An application does one thing. It consumes I.O. at a latency. And so that has to be the performance promise. So can you explain the, the decision process when, so if I create a service that says I want maybe 500 IOPS per gigabyte and I point SLM at my ONTAP cluster, which has a myriad of aggregates with different disk types and capabilities and controllers and all of these other things, how does it actually go through that selection process? Yeah, so that that's probably the, uh, the, uh, the interesting question we need to answer. How do we do this magic, right? Now, if you, if you look at it at the end of the day, uh, to manage the SLOs, you, you need to know what are the capabilities of the resources, right? And we need to discover the capabilities in the terms that I just explained to you, right? In terms of IOS per terabyte that uh, the resource can deliver, what is its peak latency when I put more IO in it, and things like that. So what we do is when you want to uh, manage a storage system by you know, service objectives, uh, you go to our GUI and add it, uh, add it to the system. And then we automatically discover the capabilities of the system, right? For example, we use the reverse sizing process to figure out what's the total IOPS that can be done on a given node and aggregate, right? And we bookkeep that. And uh, we also know that for a given workload uh, of certain block size, certain percentage of random reach and writes, what is the latency you expect from the system, right? And it depends on how much of cash you have in the system and things like that. So we, we, we catalog all this information in our database. And uh, when a user comes and says, like, like you just said, that you want a terabyte of storage with certain service level, uh, we take all the SLOs into account, right? We take into account the latency requirements, the IOPS per terabyte requirements, the RPO requirements, right? Not to mention RPO is very important when you talk about disaster recovery, right? And then we figure out what is the best place to uh, uh, onboard that workload, right? Uh, it could be a file share or a volume. And uh, then we go and do the appropriate provisioning in terms of you know storage configuration like provisioning volume settings, QoS settings, and all other things. So a, a couple of questions come to mind. Um, so one, wh what is the extent of operations that we're able to abstract through SLM? So for example, you mentioned you know resiliency, uh, high availability. Uh, is it are we capable of defining as a a property for that service level that I want to have it replicated? Um, and if so, can I specify different service level uh, service levels for that target? The properties that you can define or, or the attributes that you can use today to define a service level is uh, mostly performance and protection, right? Uh, because these two things are fundamental uh, in terms of any service uh, storage service, right, that you offer. In terms of high availability and many other things, they're pretty much standardized, right? All uh, C-mode systems are developed in a HJ configuration, right? They kind of provide a similar kind of availability. Or uh, the, the only difference we see is in a metro cluster and non-metro cluster scenario where, you know, you can think about the availability going from uh, four nines to five nines and things like that. But the fundamental problem is in terms of defining a performance objective and a protection objective. And uh, today, the first version talks about specifying these objectives when you define a service level. So it, so SLM goes through, it makes a provisioning decision based off of the requirements. 
Um, am I, as an administrator, able to override that? So, for example, it selects aggregate one for a particular workload, right? I'm trying to, maybe I'm planning a, a new workload that's managed outside of SLM or something like that. I want to move that volume from aggregate one to aggregate four, right? Is SLM going to have issues with that? Can I correct it, if if you will? Yeah, yeah, and I think I think we realize this uh, this kind of you know we 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 know that there are different uh, spectrum of customers we're talking about here, right? At the extreme, and we have these uh, uh, the uh, large enterprises who want the customizability that you're talking about, and maybe there are other customers in the SMB segment who just want a very simple process. They don't care what's happening underneath. And in fact, a lot of these things are managed by an infrastructure admin going forward, right? There's no more dedicated storage admin in some of these SMB segments. So in order to cater to these you know, myriad requirements, uh, we have given complete flexibility on, uh, in terms of our APIs, right? Now, if you want to be very picky and choosy about where the, resource, uh, where the workload needs to be deployed in the cluster and you are an expert, yes, we allow you to do that, but we, war we fail and warn you when you, you are doing something wrong, right? For example, if you're trying to place a workload on a node which does not have a budget or exhausted of all the budget, we say, you can't put that here because your SLA is a problem. Right, or your SLO is going to be a problem, right? But within a pool of resources that can satisfy the request, right, uh, we allow you that flexibility back to you, right? And we also allow you to take an existing workload and say that, you know, uh, this is the IO density for this workload. You can apply a service level on this one and then import it into this framework, right? And then you can move it around and you can put it on the right resource for cost optimizations and things like that. It's pretty much up to you. In fact, we are trying to integrate SLM APIs into WFA so that people can use WFA automation and orchestration to do some of these things that you talked about. That's fantastic. And another way that this is completely unique in the industry is it's called adaptive QoS. That's a fundamental difference between this and every other approach to maintaining a service level. Uh, number one, we don't want anybody to have to like tweak this thing, right? You put a volume where it needs to be and, and it just does what it needs, right? And if the volume grows or if the amount of data grows, you want to make sure there's enough I.O. there for the workload, and you don't want to have to have somebody, you know, calculating IOPS anymore. And so Adaptive QoS adapts the QoS policy to the size of the volume and the amount of the data in the volume. For example, if you grow or auto-grow the volume, the I.O. grows with it. If you put more and more data in that volume, particularly with compression and dedupe and compaction, all those technologies can sometimes store two to four, sometimes eight times as much data in the volume as the physical footprint. Well, you need enough I.O. when that occurs, right? Adaptive QoS grows the I.O. to match both the size of the volume to provide an SLA and the amount of data in the volume to make sure that the application actually speeds up over time as it writes more data. So can can we talk a little bit about system requirements for, for a moment? Um, so you've mentioned a couple of times of selecting where to place a workload and, and you know, operations of that manner. It, does this rely on like ONTAP 9's performance capacity or does it work with before performance capacity existed? Uh, it, it works with both the versions. So uh, we make use of whatever uh, the capabilities of platform are. Uh, for example, we start so we support from 8.2 uh, uh, onwards and uh, uh, 8.2 does not support you support the ONTAP uh, headroom right performance capacity they're referring to. So we make use of static IO budgeting there. Uh, whatever value we get from reverse sizing process, we, we keep a static IO bookkeeping there with us and we work with what we have, right? But when we have ONTAP 9.1 and then when you have on-command unified manager or OPM, we start making use of these advanced headroom analytics that come in 
and uh, we then make use of those information as well when, when placing these workloads. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, right? Why, why redo the math if you don't have to? Right. Now, Nag has been a little bit shy about the, the overall vision and strategy of this product. Right now, it kind of sounds like it's, you know, just a really fancy resource manager for ONTAP alone. Um, maybe, Naga, you could share a vision of where you want to take this product as its product manager. Okay, thank you. Um, that's a good point, right? So today, what we say right now, we are going to a model where, you know, we want to simplify storage consumption. That's where we are right now. But we are, we are, going, to, we are going to an area where people take infrastructure, and I mean, lack of a better word, they take it for granted. It's available. Uh, an example, that's what I was saying in the beginning, right? And I, I, I'm a solution developer. I'm a DevOps solution developer or an IoT solution developer. Um, I need storage. So all I do is that, you know, maybe I call an API, just gives the storage, and then I build my solution around it. And when I'm done, I say, you know, delete storage. That's what I do. So we, essentially today we expose these constructs, we still call file share, LUN, latency, and those kind of things. We got to, in the long run, we got to abstract it even further to the level where end applications doesn't even know that you know, there's an ETA platform behind it. All they have to do just, they, they can just build solution, developers can build solutions without even knowing storage. And then what it does is it gives capability for NetApp to position the NetApp platform to the various workloads we haven't traditionally been doing. It could be a DevOps workload, IoT workload, or any analytics workload. It doesn't matter because people are building solutions. Partners are building solutions around this because it's so easy for them to build. Just to give you a sample example, recently there was a hackathon done by one of the NetApp teams. And um, they had several teams building solutions. And then the feedback what we got was, oh, God, it's so easy to build um, um, uh, any any solution using your APIs because they just don't have to know anything about data platform. All they have to know is just give you storage and you know they get storage. So essentially it's almost like an infrastructure as a code. If you look at it right today, people build uh, solutions against stable platform like Apprenda and uh, Cloud Foundry and those kind of things. You know, Essentially the reason is because there's a stable um, um, API set and then you know we can just go in the long run, we just integrate with those and that way, you know, uh, the end application gets stable platform, and then uh, the plat the products like SLM abstracts it out, and then further simplifies the way they can consume storage uh, against our platform. So we've we've talked about how SLM essentially, from a storage administrator perspective, abstracts away the provisioning of storage. Right? I create these yeah. pools of of defined service levels, SLOs, SLAs, right, and the, the consumer is able to take advantage of that. Um, so uh, a couple of questions. Um, so one, is there the concept of tenancy, right? Can I create a tenant that says you get, you know, one terabyte of extreme and five terabytes of performance and 10 terabytes of, of value storage? Yes, I think that's an excellent point. So the, the notion of tenancy is, um, is very much required. Uh, you, you can come in and say, yeah, no, this is a tenant, and, uh, and accordingly we can do the, uh, uh, the, the provisioning. So the version 1.0 of this product, uh, the notion of tenancy doesn't exist yet. It's still at the, the provider plane. In other words, the calling application has to manage the tenancy. But um, we understand this is something uh, needs to be there in the product. So 
what we have done is we have spec'd out uh, the the plan where how the tenancy needs to happen. So we what we call tenant management, where each tenant associated with certain entitlements and then kind of storage they're allowed to provision, how much they are allowed to provision, and in, especially in a shared infrastructure, um, how many lands and how many volumes they're allowed to provision. Those kind of things can be in, associated with the tenant. And, and, and Amit talked about all these RPO. So then you know, we also look at the location of the tenant is identified that way DR and backups are sent to appropriate locations based on where we onboard the tenant. All those things actually we have mapped out, except that in all these things, it's a big list as a PM really would want it in the first release, didn't fit in the releases. It is there and uh, it's going to be the you know, up upcoming releases and you know, we're going to bring these things in. So short answer is we don't have strong tenancy notion, but we expect to bring it in very soon uh, in subsequent releases. I'll tell you that's something that I'm very much looking forward to. It's something that I've been talking about for a number of years, being able to have that abstracted concept of storage capabilities, right? Performance or extreme performance, regular yeah. performance and value storage and associating yeah. a, a capacity with that rather than yeah. you, know, you get this many volumes of this many size on this storage virtual machine, right? Or yeah. you have access to this aggregate, but I can't control how much capacity you have inside of there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the whole idea. Exactly. Essentially, as you, you, for a given tenant, associate what kind of service level they can consume and how much, how much of that service level type um, that they can consume. And then SLM has that uh, uh, knowledge. And whenever it provisions, checks against those entitlements and provisions it. You, don't, you no longer have to specify uh, tenancy at object level. That you can easily abstract that, that kind of um, functionality. So, so my understanding, which may or may not be correct, is that SLM essentially extends the capabilities of API services. And API services is generally focused on the consumption of storage. So we can do things like not only create a volume with an export or a LUN inside of it, but also manage access to that volume, access to that LUN, right? Adding, removing, export and share rules, et cetera. Is, is all of that also true with storage level or service level manager rather? Yeah, it's excellent point. If you look at SLM product, right, the way we ship it is SLM product uh, ships with uh, what we call uh, the platform APIs, and the APIs which gives a programmatic access to all our on-tap platforms. We ship with that, and as well as we ship SLO APIs. So sometimes, you know, there are some um, um, uh, customers who would prefer to build solutions across uh, using both. So in, in your scenario, in the scenario what you're talking, where you know you created a, a file share and you need to associate an export policy with it, and then there would be API for you to um, uh, associate a, a export policy. Yeah, we have we have provide we provide those APIs, and then if create a file share associate an export policy, then you know eventually you should be able to mount your host to um, you know put it Oracle or any application that you want it on it. So you got to be able to do it. We ship all the APIs required for it. So what about doing some more advanced kind of data management services? Uh, so in particular, one of the ones that I like to talk about when I talk about, you know, application lifecycle workflows with regard to DevOps and stuff like that is, you know, applications, users, developers, administrators really like the ability to take and manage their own snapshots to create clones of their volumes. Are, are these things that SLM surfaces up? Yeah, so uh, SLM, oh, okay, Think uh, when you asked the previous question, right, about uh, API service and SLM, uh, think about on-command API services as a platform for uh, APIs, right? It's basically a RESTful API platform, and you can do a lot of things with that platform, right? 
And if you look at the journey 1.1 and 1.0 and 1.2 has been that we wanted to finish uh, the on-tap story where we have complete API set for managing an on-tap platform as is, right? Now, the, 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 I think this, this, this is what Evan was alluding to earlier was that SLM and the APIs that it provides is more, more at the data fabric level, right? Which we, we, our vision is that with these APIs, you should be able to manage your on-tap system and in future a solid file system uh, in the same way. Right, and all the data management operations, like you know, taking a snapshot, replicating data to secondary storage, and stuff like that, we want to create a common API for you to do that, irrespective of the two endpoints you're talking to. Right, for example, in future, you can easily envision saying that, look, uh, back up a uh, data from solid file to on tap. Right, and you don't have to understand how it's done. Right, you just have to say, provision me a volume with extreme performance that goes and sits on solid file, and then say, uh, do, do a backup of that, and that the backup sits on you know a value storage. Uh, which is on tap back by you know SATA drives and things like that, or you could do flash to disk to cloud, right? So the SLM API is not just you know provisioning API or setup API, but it will allow you to do complete data management, right? Be it uh, data movement, data cloning, uh, replication, uh, anything that you can think about in terms of a, a application lifecycle that you talk about. Well, I know for me it's incredibly exciting. Um, you know, these are things that I've been wanting for for years, right? And even just the simple aspect of of API services, right? Abstracting away the complexities of Zappy, I don't have to worry about differences in Zappy versions between, you know, different ONTAP versions, et cetera, is is a vast improvement. So, taking it, you know, a step or three or four or ten steps beyond that, as as you've been talking about, I think is just absolutely amazing. We talk a lot about automation and making sure that people can uh, basically provision storage without having to worry about it. How are we going to do that? How are we handling this automation? What sort of suites we're using? Oh, good. So actually, you know, first of all, you know, we've been talking about SLM right now. It simplifies the consumption and everything. But uh, as uh, Amit and uh, Evan was talking about, all the functionality that SLM has is, has been exposed as REST APIs. In other words, you can use it like a Lego block and fit into your um, any environment. It could be any size, you know, large, medium, small, it doesn't matter. Any application that can consume uh, REST or HTTPS should be able to, uh, you know, the SLM should be able to plug into it. In fact, to demonstrate this, what we have done is our own team has built a service of plugin, and we, we didn't engage any of the developers. We used our technical marketing engineers, and uh, they built um, a service of plugin. And um, essentially, you know, user can just go to ServiceNow, make a request, what kind of storage you want, how much, how much storage they want, and uh, ServiceNow makes a request to SLM, SLM provisions it. The entire integration is very simple. So then what we have done is we have also done an integration with HPOO, and then true to the point that, you know, we want to integrate with some of the open source tools, and actually we are kind of building integration with Ansible. So the whole idea is that it doesn't matter. It's an enterprise tool or an open source tool, any application that consumes uh, REST um, or HTTP, you've got to be able to, uh, you can usually be able to plug into it. So it could be a provider tool, an orchestrator, or any application, you know, you can plug SLM into it. So that's the, 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 the beauty. In other words, not only it simplifies, and it easily plugs into your environment uh, uh, so that, you know, you can, you can use it from your IT applications. Okay, so what about licensing? I mean, is this is this a free product? Or are we getting this for for a pay or a cost? Yeah, I think SLM has uh, uh, two two levels. One is a standard license and advanced license. Uh, the standard license is a zero dollar uh, zero dollar. In other words, you know, it's free and it does not require any license key. 
customer just has to download the product and use it. By default, uh, the standard license is uh, um, burnt into the product and you know it's just available. Um, however, uh, with that with that standard license, customer gets um, you know predefined service definitions and automatic provisioning, and then and also uh, you know uh, be able to do. Remember, Evan talked about adaptive cures. Even that's also shipped with um, the standard license uh, uh, in the product. However, um, certain customers they do want to customize the service level, and they would like to have a stronger conformance checking. So these capabilities um, the the customization and then conformance checking for their workloads. These require um, advanced licenses, and advanced license are uh, is uh, licensed by capacity, raw capacity. So we price it by dollar per terabyte. So um, customer can based on their uh, requirement, they can uh, they can try out the standard license and, uh, and they like it and they would like to extend it. They can always reach out to NetApp uh, sales and SE team and go for an advanced license. Um, we, as I said, you know, we license it by dollar per terabyte based on raw capacity. So this all sounds very familiar, and I can't quite place my finger on where I've seen this before. Could somebody give me a hint on where we might have seen something like uh, NSLM? Sure, I think um, um, uh, Justin, and you know, if, if you have been to um, if you have been to um, Insight uh, last year. And um, if you have, if you have seen the center stage demo, where um, you must have seen, you know, they're using Snap Center um, backup to cloud and restore. And um, if you look at it, you know, they use Snap Center UI and to do this. But behind the scenes is actually SLM is the one who made that happen. You know, SLM provides, as Amit was saying, protection services there, and it enables for seamless data movement from fast system to AltaWatt to AWS S3 buckets and restoring it back. All those things, that seamless data movement is done by SLM. So it exposes simple, easy-to-use APIs, and then Snap Center invokes those APIs and um, be able to inject a um, file or a snapshot into uh, AWS and restore it back. So in fact, if you look at it, right, it seamlessly blends into our data, data fabric vision. NetApp has been championing data fabric for some time, and the platform abstraction enables um, for partners and customers built to build solution across our data fabric. It doesn't matter you know, if your data fabric endpoint is on tap or a solid fire or E-series, or not to be able to build solution against, against those without knowing the platform specific details. And the production services enables you to seamlessly move data from on-prem to the cloud. It doesn't matter where your endpoint, your data can, can be seamlessly be moved across. So that's the beauty, the, um, that's the simplicity that uh, SLM brings in um, from a data fabric, uh, executing the, some other data fabric vision that NetApp has been championing for some time. Excellent. So you mentioned SolidFire. I'm guessing that's coming in the future. Anything else? Yeah, actually, the SolidFire, we won't extend our uh, data fabric coverage. We are bringing in SolidFire support uh, uh, in future. And also what we are doing is that, you know, one of our uh, powerful tools uh, for uh, data fabric uh, monitoring is um, OCI, on-command inside product. So we are building, we are bringing uh, integration with OCI product as well. So with that OCI, uh, you get to you get to see from with SLM, you got to be able to provision and do a data movement across your data fabric. And uh, with OCI, we, with that integration, one should be able to see uh, monitor the data fabric, do the analytics, to be able to do a reporting. So the combination of um, and also most importantly, you got to be able to. Uh, monitor and troubleshoot. If at all there are issues, you should be able to troubleshoot through OCI. 
So the combination of um, uh, Slime and OCI gives a nice end-to-end uh, -end solution uh, for uh, any customer um, uh, using an Adaptive Fabric. Excellent. So if I wanted to get in touch with somebody about this or if I wanted to get, a, uh, I guess, a, an evaluation or just look at this product in general, who would I talk to? So if you're sold on SLM, we want you to you know, reach out to, if you're already an NetApp customer, it's very simple. Just log into your support site, down, look for a service level manager, or look for NetApp service level manager, and download the product. As I said, you know, by default, you get all the standard capabilities, and you can try it out, play around with it, and um, if you like it, or uh, if you would like to extend to an advanced capability, you can always reach out to your sales and the SE team. And um, as I said, you know, if you, this is some of the, the paradigm here is based on service design workshop that Evan runs. So if you're looking for a service design workshop, you, you can reach out to your um, SDWO partner or SCCSEs. They will reach, they will connect you to Evan's team, and Evan's team will be more than happy to uh, walk you through the SDWO uh, process and introduce you to SLM product as well. Excellent. So actually, we've, we've actually done a few episodes with Evan before. So if you want to tech, check it out on techontechpodcast.com, uh, episodes 18, 19, 33, and 36 have all been about the service design workshop, uh, different things like data protection and object storage and the actual storage service design portion of this. So Evan, did you want to add anything else to this interesting discussion about service level manager? Absolutely. So I think there's probably some folks on the call that that are numbers oriented, they're bottom line oriented. So, what does this really do for me? Is it just you know really fun, cool technology, or does it really mean something in terms of transforming how IT serves uh, its business purposes? Uh, there's two huge forces at work. One is IT is trying to drive down cost. TCO uh, become you know much much more efficient, and at the same time. Uh, drive up agility, be able to say yes to almost every requirement today, right? And, and so this is what it does, right? Cloud, uh, the street price for clouds, uh, public, you know, public cloud storage is somewhere between nine cents a gig on the low end with a little bit of performance and about $1.80 on the high end for uh, a lot of performance, right? And we're talking durable storage, not stuff that could you know, lose your volume tomorrow. So in that range of about $0.09 cents to about $1.80 per gig, uh, that's a huge spectrum, right? And But one of the reasons people pay that price is because they want the agility. I, I, I want it now. I want to spin up storage and, you know, 1,000 VMs and, and get it today. And that's the attraction of, you know, a public cloud kind of a service. The problem is that if you were to put IT resources permanently in that range of $0.09 cents to $1.80 per gig, uh, you can't afford it. And so a lot of organizations look at, well, then what belongs on-premises? How do I run an internal private cloud that's just as agile but much less expensive? People are looking for a solution between, say, $0.03 and $0.20 cents a gig, not $0.09 to $1.80. And so... Service Level Manager then allows you to choose which of those two scenarios you prefer. Do you want the lowest cost solution, which is typically going to be on-premises or, or under your control in a colo, or do you need the agility of a cloud service provider that can spin up a large amount of variable burst sorts of resources and then spin them down? And so uh, SLM allows you then to, uh, the future vision then is to span that whole spectrum and become a broker of IT to the business through a service interface. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely makes sense. All right, Naga, Amit, Evan, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you via social media or email, how would they reach you, Naga? Yeah, my email address is very simple. Uh, anur at netapp.com. Uh, A-N-U-R at netapp.com. It's very easy to reach me. Okay, and Amit? Yeah, you can you can reach me on Twitter. My handle is uh, Amit, A-M-Y-T-H-18. Okay, and Evan Miller? Yeah, email evan.miller at netapp.com or Twitter, Evan C. Miller. All right. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us today. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontechpodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tech podcast team and Amit and Naga and Evan Miller and Service Level Manager, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, Service Level Manager. Andrew. You know, it, it, feels, it feels good to be back. Yeah, and then it's, you're just going to be leaving again. So. I don't, well, so if anybody's going to be at DockerCon, Red Hat Summit, OpenStack Summit, right, any any of these events, be sure to, to look for me. I'll be there. I'll have Is some podcast stickers. Getting off on this? Excellent. Will you also yeah. be doing on-site reporting? Would you like for me to do that would be awesome. Thanks for volunteering. You're welcome, Justin. Anything for you. That's right. Anything for me.